Hi there. Welcome to episode number 26 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. I'm absolutely delighted that you are here with me, with me and my mystery guest, on The Playground today. Thank you so much for being here. And before we go on and and start our career chat with a, a really inspiring guest, I just wanted to say thank you so much for following me on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please do at Puddle Jump Coaching 001. That's Puddle Jump Coaching 001. And please connect with me. I'm doing this with you. And I'd love to hear from you. And I really appreciate getting little notifications and, and really having these connections. So thank you so much. And today, wow. So I'm just going to put this into context. I met this wonderful man through an equally wonderful uh, woman who is a mentor. And she recommended that we have a connection, uh, that we talk, and that he interview me. And wasn't in the cards, let's put it that way. Uh, So I couldn't, but the moment that I wasn't at OCISO anymore, I reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm available to be on your podcast. Is that still a possibility? And unfortunately, he's, he's moved on to other things, which we'll talk about in the podcast. And I said, okay. And I got really bold. And I asked him if he would come on to my podcast. And he said, yes. So he is here today. He is just an incredible person. And I, I'm pretty sure you're going to feel the same way. And I would bet you are going to be inspired by my mystery guest, Ayo Ooduni, a wonderful, wonderful man. Welcome, Ayo. You are a management consultant, a city councillor with the city of Kitchener, and you are the author of a book called Inclusive Leadership, The Immigrant View, The Guide to Helping Immigrants Thrive in Your Organization. And you are right here on the playground with me today, and I am absolutely delighted. Welcome, Ayo. Thank you very much for having me, Tanya. Thank, thank you for inviting me to the playground. <laughs> Excellent. And you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna jump in because the whole idea about this is purpose, plan, and pivot. And I know you've done some pivoting. So how about we go back to where it all began? Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in a wonderful country in West Africa called Nigeria. I was born in Lagos, which is, I would call it the uh, commercial capital of Nigeria. 20 million plus people in a really, really small space. So we all bumped into each other on a regular basis. But yes, I'm from Lagos, Nigeria. That's a lot of people. <laughs> yes. I mean, think about it. Canada, and you know, with our huge landmass, uh, we're about 40 million. So just half of that is just a state in Nigeria. Wow. So you went to school in Nigeria? Yes, I I went to school in Nigeria. I did my, what we call a nursery, uh, which would be kindergarten level over here, and my primary education as well in Nigeria. I ended up going to the U.S. to do my college education uh, before I returned back to Nigeria after a few years working in the U.S. Where did you go to school in the U.S.? 
I went to a school called Ryder University. It's in New Jersey. I went to school for psychology. So I find it quite interesting that that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the listener probably knows how much I love Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen is a New Jersey native. So where in New Jersey is this Ryder University? Ryder is located in Lawrenceville. Lawrenceville is in between uh, another well-known city called Princeton, and the other side of it is Trenton, New Jersey. So it's right smack in the middle of both of them. Okay. And did you ever visit Asbury Park? No, I did not, actually. <laughs> okay. Okay. New Jersey um, is quite large, you know. So. I didn't. I've only been to Newark. Oh, yeah. I mean, Newark is probably an hour plus from where I went to school. Uh, okay. Really large place. And so you took psych. And, you know, as a social science person myself, I can totally appreciate that. What was university like for you? And did you know what you were going to do with the psych degree? I had no idea what I was going to do with my psych degree. In fact, I I actually, I probably changed majors about three times in college. I started out international business. Then from international business, I changed to psychology. Then I changed to education. And then I went back to psychology. So I was just a young individual that had no clue what I wanted to do with myself or my life and just jumped from one thing to another despite uh, family pressure and advice for me to focus uh, in, in a particular area, I was quite rebellious then and decided to just do what I wanted to do. And I can appreciate and understand, you know, going from international businesses to psych, but then you went to education. What was drawing you to that? It's a good question. I've always loved teaching and mm -hmm. that's been an area of, passion for me till today. That, that, that was something that I wanted to, I thought I wanted to do for the rest of my life was to teach. I still hold that passion deep down inside. And it's just the target audience has changed over time. You know, and what so does that it, mean? You know, in school, the goal was to teach in high schools or teach in elementary school. But now I, I'm an associate professor at Conestoga College, so I teach students at Conestoga. And I also run trainings for corporate organizations and executives and organizations. So that core of teaching is still there. The core of psychology is still there. The target audience just changed over a period of time. But those uh, elements and those things are still, um, still connected to it. I totally get you. I can very much appreciate your feeling. And shout out to you as associate prof at Conestoga College. I'm a graduate of Conestoga as well. So, Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So awesome. what's the program you teach? I teach corporate innovation. I teach <laughs> system and design thinking. So oh. corporate innovation, I teach in a school of entrepreneurship. System and design thinking, I teach in a school of business. And I also teach business communication. I love it. You have your hands in a bunch of different areas. <laughs> I love it. And all of this, you're also a counselor in Kitchener. Yes, I am. That's yes, a big deal. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard people say that many times, and I don't think it has really hit me yet because uh, just hit the ground running. I never saw myself as anyone 
different. So I'm I'm learning the art of pausing and appreciating the moments because for me it's so easy to okay what's the next thing what's the next thing what's the next thing which for some could be a blessing but it could on the other hand could also be a curse where you're not enjoying the moments of life as you rush through life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that idea of the slower you you go the more time you have yes yeah and enjoying every moment uh, I had a mentor who used to say, and I don't think I've been a good mentee in this regard. He says, whenever you're in a place, be there. And it sounds so simple, but it is so profound. And many times it's so hard to do. It is. And I'm writing that down. I like that. I find value in that one. Did you know what your career was going to look like? I did not. I did not. When I returned back to Nigeria, a friend of mine had started a business and I managed his business for him. So I was sort of like, he was the silent partner and I was more the one up front that people would work with, partner manager within the business. And probably after a year of doing that in Nigeria, it was, uh, it was my introduction into the business world, into the startup world. I still f- had some other areas in my life I wanted to explore. I fell in love with radio broadcasting, so I joined a radio station to become a broadcaster. And we call it on-air personality back in Nigeria. So I became an on-air personality for uh, about four years From there, I moved into a senior manager role at the organization, uh, at the media firm. And then I ended up starting my own consultant firm. You know, it all makes sense when you look backwards. Mm -hmm. It rarely makes sense when you're going through the process. And I'd always felt there was a part of me that needed to be a bit more disciplined in seeing things through. And that came from a mentor Uh, rather than jumping all over the place, which was something that I did in my college years. So though it was a weakness, I do think that opportunity at a young age where the risk was quite low, uh, I was able to do those things and explore all those different options at a very young age. And now at a much older age where maturity is needed, focus is needed, consistency is so important, commitment could actually even be a measuring stick, or rather is a measuring stick uh, for success in many ways. Those things that I did in my younger years have really helped to form who I've become today. And I am glad I was able to use my 20s to be able to make those mistakes and do all those things because I think it's be- it's helped me form who I am today. Mm. It feels like that's something that you would, if you were having a conversation with a younger person who was kind of feeling the way you were feeling in university, kind of unfocused and not sure where to go. It feels like those are the words that you would share with them. Possibly. There's still a part of me that would struggle with it (laughs) because uh, you could be viewed as unstructured, chaotic, impulsive. You just go with the wind, (laughs) you know, unsettled. There could be so many adjectives that could be used to describe such an individual. However, looking back, I would probably say you have an opportunity to test now to explore mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. to you know, test different things out. However, 
you need to set a time limit to that. Perhaps that's what I would share with them. There has to be a time limit where you now need to get to a point where from this age moving forward, I need to focus because you can't do that with a family. That is mm-hmm. very unstructured and a family needs structure and consistency and commitments and maturity. And I, I think it all worked out well for me by chance. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel then that you weren't possibly as strategic as you may have been? I could be very, I could lie and say I was strategic in all those different moves and it was all part of who I am today, but that would be a flat out lie. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't sure. And I think it was just the impulsive side of me that just had the the ADHD side of me, perhaps, in those days that that had a stronghold. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you know, as time went on, I, I realized that that was just an area that I needed to mature and grow in. And now I develop five-year plans for myself and 10-year plans. So the eye of old and the eye of today are very, very different people. I've evolved into a totally different person that I'm proud to say I've evolved into. But I'm glad I went through that phase in my life because it taught me a lot. You don't appreciate the mountaintops if you don't go through the valleys, you know? Mm-hmm. I've said uh, th- th- those were my valley experiences that is helping me appreciate where I am today. And those things that you said about structure, consistency, maturity, you mentioned about the family, but you also talked about them in the business world. Absolutely. Yes, there are times when you need to pivot. However, there are times when you really you hone in a structure. I mean, we just a few weeks ago, I'll share this with my class. A few weeks ago, we put together a 25-year plan at the city for some goals that we're hoping to accomplish by 2050. So it's quite interesting, 27-year plan, I would say. So it's quite interesting that we're thinking that far ahead. I would not even be in office at that point. Right. However, it is part of my duty to ensure that we do that and do that very well and also part of the fiduciary responsibility as you know at, at that governance level to be able to think that far and start putting measures in place for that so in the business world in the political world all those things are so crucial for survival for an organization and it is required however on the other hand because we are in a vuca economy you know things are volatile things are uncertain the world is complex the world is ambiguous. You also have to have that ability to pivot and pivot very quickly. If a COVID hits today, mm. how do you pivot and pivot quickly at that point in time because of what had just taken place? Or if a new technology comes in and could wipe out your entire industry within months, which is what is happening today, you have to be three, four steps ahead of that to be able to stay alive and to be able to stay innovative. So both sides are really important. I think as a leader, it's important for you to know when you need to be structured and focused Mm. and when you need to, you know, flip that switch and pivot to stay alive or to stay ahead of the market. And as part of the, the whole idea of the pivoting thing, there's also purpose. What about you? Have you been able to find your purpose? You know, this has been a prayer, a thought of mine for a long time. 
in search of purpose and in search of life. Um, there is a great, and I want to apologize ahead to your listeners. Uh, this is more of a faith-based book. So if you're not a faith-based person, you might not want to necessarily read the book, but it's a book called Shape. And it just talks about finding your purpose through everyday living. And it talks about your gifts that are inside of you, your areas of passion. It talks about your talents, the things that come natural to you. It talks about your personality, which is the P aspect. And then it talks about your life experiences and how you can use your life experiences to become a message to people. And, you know, going through that curriculum for me was such a transformative experience because it made me start to think differently. How do I use my gifts to be able to impact those around me? What are those things that tick me off? Uh, what are those things that get me really angry or get me really upset that makes me go, they can't do that, or they should not be doing that, or we need to do this better? Those areas of passion, you know, that's the H, the heart. Uh, or what are those abilities or talents that come natural to me? Oh, well, what is that personality that I have that makes things easier for me? Or what are the experiences in life that, like many of us, we try to hide our terrible experiences, whereas there are people that are in dire need of those experiences for them to navigate that experience. We've gone through it. They're going through it. So it's a totally different experience. So for me, searching for purpose I was looking through that lens of shape to be able to figure out what are those areas for me. And that's when I felt politics and teaching the next generation, working with immigrants. Those were areas that were, you know, I was passionate about. I felt I, read, I had the right personality for. For immigrants, I needed to become more and more comfortable with sharing my life experiences, even though. I hate it and I don't feel comfortable with it. But there are many times when I receive messages from people that say exactly, you know, what you just shared, Ayo, is exactly what I needed. Or I'm going through a depressive period, but just hearing what you shared really transformed things for me. Hearing those types of things just leads to that sense of fulfillment and that feeling of your living in your purpose. Yeah, yeah. And what does the S stand for in shape? Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Yeah, but I wanted to just focus on the, that's why I just called it gifts. Okay, I'm writing these things down. And I'm with you on the teaching uh, next generation and with immigrants. The politics part, um, (laughs) that's what sets you apart. Uh, And I think that's what makes you, as I said at the beginning, that's a big deal that you are in the political arena. Because you're representing your constituents and you're making a difference in their lives, in their everyday lives. And that's big. Yes, it is. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity, the experience. I also, I always love doing this. I want to give a big shout out to residents of Ward 5 in Kitchener because they gave me the opportunity, you know, for someone when you look at the demography of people in Ward 5, they don't look like me. They don't sound like me, a large majority of them. Yet, they gave me an opportunity to serve them. And I recall, I think it was about two months ago, a 
uh, a Caucasian lady sent me an email and she said, I just want to let you know that I voted for you and I'm happy I did. And that really just blew me away that she went out of her way to send that message. Now, does that mean every decision I make is going to be perfect? Absolutely not. With the best information that I have, I try to go with the convictions in my heart, something that I can go to bed at night saying, okay, you made the right decision for the people of Ward 5 and for the city of Kitchener. And on one hand, that could be a burden. On another hand, that's an opportunity. And I'm very, very grateful that they gave me an opportunity to be able to do that on their behalf. And, you know, the more time we talk, the more I'm hearing about everything that you've done and looking at your about me section, I just get such an orange uh, feeling about you. You know, I think we chatted about the the colors, right? The the true colors, where if you're orange, you're kind of a risk taker and, and you tend to like variety and you tend to want to be doing things and sensation motivates you and you're a doer basically. And that's what you are. I like, you are such a doer. You have ideas and you get them done. And that impresses me. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. When I was doing my MBA, we went through this personality test and my wife is on the other end, who is more the analyzer and I'm more the, the doer, just get it done. And I, I, I hope that <laughs> that doesn't frustrate both of us because we're on opposite ends. I think, well, that's why they say opposites attract no one, you know. But then I think it also helps us complement one another as well uh, with what we bring to the table as a couple. But yes, doing is something that I enjoy doing. Variety is the spice of life, <laughs> so to speak. But I think I've always been that person where I see something that needs to be done. I try to do my part in getting it done. I'm becoming, I'm trying to be more disciplined today around understanding the concept that I cannot boil an ocean. You cannot do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm moving to that next level of maturity, which is developing leaders around me that could now be sent forth, so to speak, to be able to handle some of these things themselves with my support, with my encouragement, or with my coaching in the background. I think I've just learned that I'm limited in what I can do because I'm one person. I'm no longer a single man. I'm a a father. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a husband. So there are these other responsibilities that are so important and crucial, and I must play a, a good role of those other responsibilities that I have a privilege of handling. So I I have to be wiser now in my approach. You know, hey, I if one can handle five tasks, what can two do? What um, happens if you replicate yourself? Or what happens if you're able to bring out the leadership qualities in other people? So two days ago, someone reached out to me and asked me, how are you able to do all the things you're doing? Uh-huh. And it really helped me to start thinking about how do you replicate and duplicate people? How do you help him bring out the best in him so that the world that we live in can gain those gifts that are inside of him mm-hmm. so that he can add value as much as he would like to or he would want to? So that was a seed that was planted two days ago. I don't know what's going to come up, <laughs> you know, happen with that one yet. But I have some thoughts in my mind and some things that I'm looking to explore. But yeah, I'm just, I want to, I want to die empty, Tanya, you know? Yeah. 
I get it. I get it. And I, I just feel that there's such a kindred spirit between the two of us because everything you're saying, I'm just nodding my head. I'm feeling it in my heart. And I, I'm just inspired and excited. And two more questions. One of them is, what are your top three values? Hmm. Service, leadership. Ah, what's the third one? I've not thought about this. <laughs> you, you got me really thinking now. This is what uh, usually happens. People either say two of them and then say, hmm, I don't know. Or they have like 25 and it's hard for them to stop because I, I think that you have so many that, <laughs> and there's a lot of them that are wrapped up in service and leadership as well. And should I also say education? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, that's probably an African thing as well, because that that I, I don't even think that's a value from deep within. I think that's a value that that is passed on to us by our culture. And I come from a tr- apparently my tribe in Nigeria. This is what I read is one of the most educated is the most educated tribe. It's just a culture of schooling and degrees. And when I won as a counselor, won the election, my father called me and. He didn't say congratulations. He said, I thought you would get your PhD before you run for office. Oh. And, you know, I smiled. And then he said, when do you plan on getting your PhD? And my father never said congratulations. Those were his words. And I I find it really funny. I, I find it funny that that was what he did. And every now and then I noticed that even my son, he's seven years old, for Christmas, he didn't get a game. He got 12 books <laughs> from his father. <laughs> and get what, what did my son do? He went into his room, shut the door, and started reading his books out of joy and excitement. And, hey, if you want your allowance, you got to read a book. Or, hey, hey, uh, let's go to the bookstore. Let's go to the library for the weekend. Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 I didn't realize I was doing it until I, one day my son asked me for a gift. And I said, sure, what would you like? He said, can you buy me an encyclopedia? So I was like, okay, that is weird that a seven-year-old wants an encyclopedia because his previous encyclopedia is torn apart. So it's education is a value. Service is a value. Leadership is, for me, I believe everything rises and falls on uh, on leadership. If there is a problem somewhere, there is a leadership problem. Yes, there is a system or process issue, uh, culture issue, all those other variables that can come into play. But ultimately, it rises and falls on leadership. And I think from a very young age, I, I got exposed to John Maxwell at a very young age. Uh, and I'm forever grateful that I was because I think that molded my thinking. You know, I still listen to him till today. And I learned so much from him. And I hope that when I get to that age, I have other people saying, I, we learned so much from you, and we used our leadership skills to be able to do the things that, that needed to be done in our communities. Trust me, they will be saying that. I pray so. <laughs> I, I think so. And I, I think that your students are incredibly lucky to have you as, a, as an instructor, as a prof, because you're engaging and you're insightful and you're wise. And you communicate in such a way to make things accessible. So my last question for you, mister, is 
Do you have a favorite motivational quote or words that you live by? Mm. Miles Moreau, die empty. Mm-hmm. Okay. And funny, I just posted a video on LinkedIn yesterday talking about dying empty. And, and the reason why, I mean, there's so many other quotes, but my mentor, uh, the late Richmond Dio Johnson, I met him when I was at entry level in an organization. And he said, would you like to be a leader in this organization? I said, yes. And he put me through like a one-year boot camp. And after two years, I ended up reporting to him. I moved up five levels uh, within the organization in two years. So at some point, very profound in his thinking, just super smart, an amazing guy. And I was chatting with him one day, and I I mentioned, you need to write a book. You need to put together some programs so that all these things that you share with me, all these words of wisdom can be shared with the world. And he said, ah, yes, Ayo, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'll write sometime in the future. Two years ago, while he was going on a walk, he had a heart attack and died. While going on a walk, the day before, he was running a training for a group of people. And the training is still on, on, on YouTube, which is phenomenal. So whenever I miss him, I just go on just to hear his voice one more time. However... That really, number one, shocked me because he was still, it was 60 or 61, I believe, when he passed. But more importantly, all those words of wisdom, all those experiences, all those life experiences, all those things that he was sharing with all of us, uh, you know, all his students and his mentees, it all went to the grave with him. I mean, I find solace thinking, well, he's impacted you and imparted so much of it into you mm-hmm. that at least you can say that, no, it didn't go with him. He left, he planted seeds inside many of us that we're all you know, sharing with the world today. However, the ones who write, the ones who document, the ones who share their little pieces of experience and wisdom with the world are the ones that tend to have their memories last longer, you know? I mean, that's just what I've seen with life. So I want to ensure that those around me, whatever it is that they have, do not allow imposter syndrome to hold you back. Do not allow any of that. When I wrote my book, Inclusive Leadership, The Immigrant Experience, my concern was, why are you writing about this? This is a waste of time. You are into consulting and you're a politician. What does this have to do with what you do? I didn't see it. And I'll be very honest, Tonya. I stopped writing that book many times. I started, it took me almost a year plus to finish the book because I started it. I stopped because I thought it was stupid. I started, I stopped, I started it, I put it away. And then eventually I said, you know what? Just get it out of your system and publish it. Just get it out of your system because it's just sitting on your laptop and it's doing nothing. Yesterday, I I had a chance to speak to 120 HR professionals in Alberta. Uh, Four days ago, I spoke to a group of HR leaders in Alaska. Alaska, for crying out loud. Um, In a few weeks' time, I'm going to be Huntsville, Alabama, to speak to a PR conference about the book. I'm going to be at an HR conference in New York in September to speak about the book. I'm going to be in Vermont to speak about the book. I'm going to be in Halifax in October to speak about the book. 
The book gonna... is not stupid, Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I'll be very honest, Tanya. Two days ago, I was speaking to one of my mentors, and he was even pushing me. He was like, when you're making these presentations, because he joined the webinar just to listen and give feedback, and he's like, I need you to have more conviction. He could still see it inside of me that I was still struggling. Mm-hmm. That is this book really this important? And you know, there was a part of me that said, yeah, I don't want to be confined to be thinking I'm just a diversity leader. I'm so much more than that. And it's so easy for people mm-hmm. to just put me into one category. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, give it to, let them know that this is a solution to their problems. And, mm-hmm. and the way he was saying it, I realized once again, Ayo, you're not still fully convinced that this book, despite the fact that all these people are saying, come speak to our professionals. We need this. We want this. Despite that, you're still holding back. So even me after publishing the book and having all those levels of validation, I'm still struggling with it. So imagine someone that has not even started writing what they're mentally going through. So I encourage you, if it adds value, if it's going to help people, if it's going to touch lives, if it's going to help relationships, people, business, career, self-developments themselves, whatever it is, please let the world have that gift that you have inside of you. It's not doing anything inside of you. Die empty. Oh my gosh. I can't stop smiling. I <laughs> I can't. I am going to I'm going to find my way to Kitchener at some time and I'm going to give you a giant hug because I'm sitting here with with my book, Sex, Self-Esteem and Sheer Stupidity, Surviving Your 20s and Beyond. And it took me 30 years to write it. So everything that you've said has just is just right there in my heart. And you are inspiring me and so many other people to to share and to to get it done and to die empty. And that's, I just, I'm a big IO fan and I can't wait to read that book of yours. Thank you. Thank you very much. And my, my father-in-law challenged me last weekend and said, okay, you wrote a book for uh, organizations. Now you need to write a book for the immigrants. And I'm like, oh, are you confining me into that box again? But then that little <laughs> voice inside said, die empty. And I'm like, Okay. Okay. That's the next book. (laughs) Good. I can't wait for that too. You're awesome. And I thank you so much for coming onto the playground and sharing your journey and your, what motivates you and, and your purpose. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this chat and uh, yes, I hope this added value to the audience. Absolutely. Take good care of yourself. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Io, for coming onto the playground with us today and sharing your thoughts, motivations, inspirations, and experiences. Here's what I'm taking away from our career chat. First of all, die empty. We need to truly live so that when we die, we have nothing left. Everything we have, everything we are, has been shared with the world to make the world a better place for us having been here. Number two, 
Life is best understood looking at it backwards, but we must live it looking forward. We may not understand the lessons we're being taught at the time, but over time, things will start to make sense. Number three, life and our careers need focus, consistency, commitment, structure, and a sense of maturity. Number four, being a leader means knowing when you need to be structured and when you need to pivot to stay alive or ahead of the market. Number five, just three words, three values, service, leadership, education. I really appreciate Io spending his time with us today, and I invite you to spend some time with me on the playground next week as I welcome another fabulous mystery guest. You know by now that I have incredible guests because I have awesome people in my world. I want to listen and share their stories so to inspire, educate, motivate, and maybe even change some lives. Thank you for spending your time with me on the playground, and I invite you to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001 if you haven't already followed me yet. And please do connect. Until our next visit on the playground, I wish you a week of beauty, love, and positivity. See you next time when we will jump into the future together.